0: There's more than one way to be right. In fact, there's probably many, 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 many different ways to be right. And your way of being right doesn't necessarily invalidate any or every other way to be right. The reality is, if you look at the political spectrums, they have more in common than they don't. And I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. That's a false dichotomy. Hey, it's Jason Fladland here. You're listening to The Jason Fladland Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. Jason Flatland here. Recently, I churned 40 and I got this great idea of creating a YouTube video on 40 lessons I learned on churning 40. Turns out I really only could come up with 17. So the 17 successful lessons on churning 40, it doesn't have quite as much punch, but hopefully the insights will make up for the other 23 missing lessons that I've yet to figure out. You ready? Let's go. Number one, fail in low-risk ways that reveal easy-to-learn lessons. Fail forward constantly. I love to say that mastery isn't 10,000 hours. It's 10,000 failures. But we want to be able to get back up when we fail 10,000 times. So how do you do that? You fail where the stakes are low. You fail in ways that will allow you to learn things. You fail in ways that have very little, if no, recovery time from them. So the name of the game isn't to avoid failure. It's to fail better. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two, perfectionism equals misery. The most imperfect state of being is seeking perfectionism. I love the dichotomy of that. And so I've now learned to be okay with the gains that I make versus where I was at, here's where I am now, versus here's what I lack, here's what I need to focus on. I, I just did a call with our driven mastermind, Kasim Aslam, and Perry Belcher and I run a $25,000 high-level mastermind called Driven for businesses that are at least seven figures. Most of them are more than that. And immediately the tone of the call and the recap of this event that we just did was, what are all the ways in which we can improve? And I said to them, I said, listen, I've done this for a while. Uh, And I've done over 100 plus of these types of in-person masterminds. And I said, I've noticed with our team, we always focused on what could be improved. And then that had us forget what we did great. And this event that we just did for Driven was one of the best ones, maybe the best one I've been a part of. So I said, let's just take some time first to acknowledge what we did well, because then if we acknowledge that we can optimize and do more of that as opposed to everybody, especially team members, always feeling like it's not good enough, it's not good enough, it's not good enough. That's what breeds perfectionism. What am I going to grow from? Where am I going to get better this day, week, or month? Than where I'm at right now. In what ways am I going to grow between 40 and 41? That's exciting to me, as opposed to what do I need to fix? What do I need to improve? Number three: Every time I fight reality, I only lose 100% of the time. So you're wasting energy and you're getting angry at something as as silly as the sun shouldn't rise in the east. That's what it's equivalent to. And what I've discovered in life and in business especially is you can't change the situation until you first accept it exactly as it is. And the better you can accept it and the more accurately you can accept it, the more you can do with it. But pretending it's not what it is, one of the hardest ways to have growth and success. That's number three. Number four. It's better to feel authentic sadness than inauthentic happiness. The challenge is most of us don't know what authentic sadness looks like and feels like. You know, I was typically taught as a younger person that being angry at somebody or being sad was something that was wrong with me. Because the only models I had to show me sadness or anger, they were unhealthy versions of sadness and anger. So one of the greatest things I've ever learned is what's a healthy way to be sad. And so then when I'm sad, I can authentically express it, but express it in a way that doesn't bring me harm, that actually heals. Otherwise, I went 20 years of my life pretending I was happy when I wasn't. And that not only delays the length of time until you actually experience happiness, it makes it harder to experience happiness, because you don't start with a blank slate. You don't start on ground floor, you start underneath the ground. And every year you delay that, you go deeper in the ground and you got more to make up for it. Number five, success is 90% character, it's 10% opportunity. The greatest opportunity in the world, if you're not ready to leverage it and harness it, It doesn't matter if you can seize it or not. This great AI revolution that's occurring right now as I record this, everybody's thinking it's 90% opportunity. Let me just dive on on the opportunity. And they're not equipped. Even if they get success, they're not equipped and they're not ready to handle the success that they're about to face. There are a few exceptions, but most of them are what I will call temporary millionaires. They will give it all back because the character traits aren't there yet. Number six, do great things in ordinary conditions consistently. Everybody thinks that success is doing some Herculean thing, some one in a million, some grace under pressure type of activity when most of winning is just showing up. So how do we do great things in ordinary conditions, not great things in great conditions, and certainly not ordinary things in great conditions? How do we do great things in ordinary conditions, but not do them every so often, because then we don't get momentum, do them consistently? And so being kind is a great thing. That you can do. Yeah, that's one thing, but being kind to normal people every single day, you wanna know how well that can pay off for you? It's unbelievable, right? Not allowing yourself to get sucked in to minor things that ultimately don't really matter in your life. It's hard, but there's an ordinary condition of I'm going to choose not to get involved with this and I'm going to invest my energy and my thought into something else. Number seven, there's more than one way to be right. In fact, there's probably many, 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 many different ways to be right. And your way of being right doesn't necessarily invalidate any or every other way to be right. The reality is if you look at the political spectrums, they have more in common than they don't. And I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. That's a false dichotomy. A market can simultaneously have room for a P90X or a CrossFit and a magic weight loss pill. Both of those ways can work. Now, I'm not saying whether the magic weight loss pill actually works or not, right? But the idea is some of the market's looking for the easiest path to some improvement. Other people in the market can only do it if it brings pain and agony. And then there's other slices of the market that will do it only if it does something other. Than what the other two alternatives are so know that there is more than one t- way to be right is exciting because then it allows you the cognitive flexibility to seek out and find various different ways to help various different people and at the same time not put yourself in a precarious position where you only think the answer is x because when you find a good idea there may be even a better idea waiting for you number eight Be comfortable taking action with mostly incomplete information. So my 80-20 rule on this is once I get about 20% of the idea of what's going on here, about 20% of what I feel is the essential information, then I'll make a decision. In dynamic environments, the information, the data changes. It's not static. It's dynamic. So by the time you were able to acquire the data and analyze the data, the data is no longer relevant current market conditions. And so we have to take in only a small amount of data and then use that to form a hypothesis to implement something and see what happens in the marketplace. And so I am now uncomfortable with too much information. I am uncomfortable doing research for other than the shortest period of time possible to try something out. And then link this with the first lesson is once I get just enough to take action, to see what happens. Let me try it out in a way that if I fail, I fail in a low-cost, no-cost scenario. Number nine, need little, want less. At the end of the day, there's only a couple things that make a difference in your life and everything else doesn't really matter. We tend to get attached to some of these other things. And so I want to be full within myself. And if I am full within myself, then if good fortune comes to me, fantastic. If the seasons are winter for longer than they need to be, I'm okay with that. There's a saying in the Bhagavad Gita is the sage is equiposed in both happiness and misery. So these most of these conditions that we experience, we talk about them in a materialistic way. Happiness and misery. Those are unavoidable by anybody in a material form. So trying to tap more into the spiritual essence of who you are, the soul, not the body, the gross body. And so once you really can tap into the spiritual aspect of all of this, then you will need very little materialistically. You'll want even less, and then you can stay equal You can stay in your true essence, regardless of whether the externals change, which they will change for you. And that, by the way, allows you to be more authentic with who you are and what your gift is as well. Number 10, change takes longer than you think, but then happens sooner than you expect. And so it's kind of like it takes you 10 years to break through, and then in the next year, you accomplish more than you ever did in the entirety of your life. Every big win I had for the multi-millions of dollars that I've collected first was tested out and perfected for small wins for thousands of dollars. And it took a long time just to turn that corner for thousands of dollars, but once I did that, from thousands to millions happened just like that. So you have to wait a lot longer at first, but then you will probably get there faster than if you ever predicted it any other way. And then once you do see a result, that's typically when the floodgates open up. Number 11, the friction between who you are and who you wish you were can slow you down so much, it can make change impossible. Because you spend more time outside of yourself than you do inside of yourself. And that is real friction. You are misallocating your energy By thinking about who you're not or who you wish you were be is just another way of saying who you're not. And so I try to spend as little time as possible using my energy on what do I lack? Who am I not? In which ways am I deficient? because that is more likely to make me deficient. Not only is it reinforcing, because you're focusing on what you lack and what you focus on tends to expand, but it's just a poor expenditure of energy. And so a big lesson that I've learned is eliminating the friction and just learning how to be in the moment and then focusing on what I can do and then watching that expand. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review. And thanks again and stay tuned for future episodes.